Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What happens is you can lose yourself. You don't know anymore. It's a not knowing because we're quite externally focused, then I would take on the external. So it wasn't an inside out. So coming from what I desired and then acting, it was looking at side of myself. That was safe. Looking outside, okay, what are they doing? How should I fit in? And finding my place from the outside in. And that's a, a state where we lose ourselves. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. 
content warning. If you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Real quick, go over to howmyparentsraisedme.com for this week's blog post, How Does Trauma Lead to Postpartum Depression? There's some really great info in this post. The link is in the show notes. We now understand that patterns run our lives. Patterns of thinking, being, and doing are passed down from one generation to the next subconsciously. We don't often have any idea that those patterns, that trauma is running our life. It's not until we really stop and become conscious of our behaviors and why they're happening that we can begin to change them. The belief system of your great-grandparents could well have been instilled in you and you've never, ever thought about that. Those patterns are so deeply, deeply held in our subconscious minds that we only begin to see them when we decide to pay attention to them. And that's usually when life hits a massive hurdle and we start to question what is going on right now. My guest this week is Nina Cruz, who is a conscious coach helping parents and anybody wanting to stop the patterns from ruining their life and therefore the life of their child and their grandchild. Nina teaches how we can free ourselves from those patterns and she has trained under the incredible Dr. Shafali, a world-renowned expert in the conscious parenting space. Nina Cruz says she is changing futures one moment at a time and disrupting generational patterns to set our children free. It is such a beautiful mission. Please join me for my chat with Nina Cruz. Nina Cruz, welcome to the podcast. You are a certified conscious parent coach, a social worker, and a meditation teacher. You are teaching people how to become aware of the generational patterns that are playing out in their everyday life that could be contributing to increased stress, anxiety, overwhelm, and a feeling of disconnection. You love to support parents to gain an awareness of their own internal narrative so that they can create a new blueprint for themselves and for their family. And I love all of that because that is truly the most important work on the planet. I'd love to chat to you about your own experiences first up. What was the relationship like between you and your own mum growing up? Yeah, look, we were quite close. We're very similar in ways. However, in the generation that I grew up, feelings weren't expressed. So I grew up and had to shift and push down a lot of my feelings. So, you know, on the surface, we had a great relationship, but I I wasn't shown how to move through feelings, which when you become a parent, you become very aware of big feelings and not only your own, but your child's. So otherwise, yeah, we are really similar. We have a close bond and she's an incredible, incredible woman, you know, trailblazer, my, actually my grandmother as well, trailblazers, women that did the opposite of possibly what was going on in the mainstream. You know, my grandmother was roaming around Europe in slacks way before women were wearing slacks, trousers. So yeah, yeah. I love my mom. She's just an incredible 
positive, inspirational person in my life. And so your mum was a disciplinarian though, right? So how did that play out for you on a daily basis? Mm. Yeah, she was quite strict in ways, but my sister would say that I got it easier than her, which is very common for siblings. <laughs> she was she was strict, but, but still very caring and nurturing, but she was busy. Busy, she worked a lot, she was busy. So I do remember going, you know, mom, mom, look at me. So I was definitely seeking attention and being seen. Yeah. And what about your relationship with your dad? Where did he fit into the dynamics? Yeah, my my parents divorced when I was four. So my dad was around, but he was was quite a workaholic as well. And I would see him on weekends or every second weekend. And he was there, but not there, I guess, in ways. You know, my mother was doing the most, most of the parenting, the day-to-day parenting. And my dad you know, we would see him on the weekends, but it was definitely more about what he was up to and I would tag along kind of thing. And with your mum being a disciplinarian, what sort of beliefs did you have about yourself from that parenting style? Oh, well, probably (laughs) beliefs that I wasn't enough, that I couldn't do it. And yeah, definitely not enough. And, you know, I had to get it right. So that often would play out in my future that I didn't want to go and try things because there was a, a fear that I wouldn't be able to do it or I wouldn't get it right. So I suppose that that led me more so to being, you know, kind of trying to get it right and perfect, which is mm. very common for women and parents. And otherwise there was also on the, on the flip side, a belief that, you know, I could work things out. Things could be worked out. Tomorrow was a new day. There was quite a high positivity on one side, but then, on the flip side, there was also, you know, this this feeling that I had to get it right. So it, it, was, it was definitely a, a dynamic that was interesting and would play out in my future until I began to really do more of the inner work and, and more of the, you know, looking below the surface to see what's really going on, what's pulling my strings and why am I doing this and in all areas of my life. So it showed up as perfectionism as you were yeah, and, turning and into just, an adult. And also not not wanting to go for things or or thinking I couldn't do it in certain ways. There were certain things that, you know, I would just go for it and not and and just knew. But then there were definitely fears that I couldn't get it right or I wouldn't do it right. Uh, and the, you know, there was something wrong with me. Uh, I think that that was inherent actually when I was younger, and it was so interesting because I found out the truth of the scenario that I'd made up, the story I'd made up in my mind that. I was a premature baby. So when I was about four, I think four or five, my mom took me to do some testing. And I remember doing all these tests like hearing and memory. And and I just remember I thought there's something wrong with me. Like my sister's not doing this test and there must be something wrong with me. I'm faulty. I need to fix something. And, you know, it probably was down the track. I can't even remember when it was, but I, I spoke to my mom about this and asked her about it. And she's like, oh, your sister did the test too. It was just to see, you know, like it was an IQ test to see how you go and how I could support you in your future. And I mean, this is an example of how we make up so many stories that I believed that was the truth. There was something wrong with me. This is what my mum did this. And then there's something wrong. I was premature. And it wasn't even the truth, the real truth. Mm. 
Yes. Interesting how we really create these beliefs, isn't it? From just Mm. because we just we don't understand a lot as little kids. We're just taking tiny snippets of information and creating a story out of it often. And and often we've really got the wrong information altogether. And you talk then about suppressing emotions and it's Mm. definitely been just the way that things were when we were growing up. It wasn't a thing to share feelings. And so we we know we're more lovable when we're good and when we're perfect Mm -hmm. and we can Mm -hmm. do everything perfectly. What does suppressing those emotions do? Well, you know, I explain it to my kids that it's like a pot of boiling water and you put the lid on it and the more you shove in and the more the lid, it just cuts boiling. And then one day or one moment, you just take the lid off and you've got a big explosion. You've got a a big uh, reaction. Suppressing uh, emotions is is not good for our well-being. And it's this resentment, this, this whole mountain builds, but then you're more reactive. You've got no space inside. You've got no spaciousness to, to be and sit with emotions that you're feeling. So, you know, you're reactive, basically. You react. Yeah. And it's almost like we wear this happy face mask, isn't it, growing mm-hmm, up? Mm-hmm. And that happy face ensures that we're always loved. It's really like a self-betrayal. Yeah. Well, you know, most people you'll say, how are you? Good. Everybody's saying good when there could be a lot of stuff going on. We we have this mask. We wear many masks. And we're not being our true authentic self. So we are betraying our truth and our, our own needs I guess or our own inner knowing so yeah it can be really confusing we're wearing lots of who are we who Mm. is the real me or or who is the true me and what does the true me desire to to do or be or behave or and so we can get lost in this masquerade kind of party and forget who we are and that a lot of the work is the remembering of who we really are which is not our body which is not our stuff which isn't our children we're a soul a a spiritual being here on mother earth having a human experience and we forget that in our busy busy life because we have an egoic go and an egoic agenda which wants to keep us safe that's the the predominant focus of the ego keep us safe and safety is and means to the ego is what we've experienced and what we've survived is safe. So then we just go and re- recreate the same kind of experiences. Yeah. It's all about safety, isn't it? And yeah. I know that you mentioned that your mother called you mouse when you were a little girl because you mm. became so quiet. That's really showcasing exactly what you're talking about, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you you become frozen, don't you? Your nervous system freezes you and you just become so quiet in order not mm-hmm. to do the wrong thing, I guess. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I think my mantra was like, I don't know, I don't know. And it wasn't truly, that wasn't really the truth that I didn't know, but it was scary to know because if I knew and expressed it, it might get rejected or I might get rejected. Many parents have kids that might get really upset with them or express their emotions to them. And it's so important to allow this because this is the safety 
space as a parent, we can hold that space for our children. We want them to go and speak up to the bully or to say no against alcohol or drugs or cigarettes, but we, they can't even speak up to us. You know, that's why it's so important to allow our children to be self-expressive, obviously in a safe way, so that they're already have their voice. They can speak up. They're mm. in their power. They're powerful. They're empowered. Not, I was scared to speak up. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. I was quiet. Yes. Which I'm not really, but. Yeah. Well, how did it feel to be so quiet though? I mean, what, what does it feel like when you can't just say what you need to say? Well, I used to get really choked up in the throat chakra and the throat and you know, what happens is you can lose yourself. You don't know anymore. It's a not knowing because we're quite externally focused. Then I would take on the external. So it wasn't an inside out. So coming from what I desired and then acting, it was looking at looking outside of myself. That was safe. Looking outside, okay, what are they doing? How should I fit in? And finding my place from the outside in. And, you know, that's that's a state where we lose ourselves and and this is a very common place for women as mothers we can lose ourselves in motherhood in mothering our children because we never knew ourselves we we weren't able to express ourselves we weren't able to stand in our power before children it's not about the child it's just parenting will bring up that stuff and bring mm. up our own own childhood legacies yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I know that myself, but I, I think often we have absolutely no idea that that's what's happening, right? Yeah. I mean, growing up, I was in a similar situation to yourself and very much, I, I wouldn't have really known that there was a, any other way than to look around me and figure out what I needed to do according to everybody else, how yeah. How should I think about this? You know, what should I do? Mm. And it's, it really is, it's so self-abandoning, but you just have no idea that you're doing that. Can you tell us one thing that you can look out for that, that shows that you are actually abandoning yourself? Yeah, we're all wounded in some way. So this is kind of the setup until you come to the work and become more aware of what's really going on. But you generally get a feeling inside, whether you get anxiety, you know, something doesn't feel right. You're faking it. You're, you're not being true. You're saying yes, when you really don't want to go, or you're pleasing, you're, you're doing things that you know, inside is against what you really want to do, because there's a fear of saying no. And what are the repercussions of that? Or, you know, if you look at the flight, fight, freeze fawning response the fawning response is where you're pretty much abandoning yourself you're you have to justify everything you're pleasing so that's a red flag when you're justifying something a good practice is to just say no I can't come or no I I won't be able to do that and you'll watch your little inner voice get really busy or you'll you'll start rambling off to them like I've got so much to do I'm so busy the kids are and none of that's required when you can stand more in our power and just go, a no is a no, mm. regardless of why. So, you know, these are these are the things where we, we we lose ourselves and we don't stay in our power. When we're focusing on someone else, we're pretty much screwed because their power is given away to them. So anytime you're 
looking, comparing, contrasting your parenting and someone else's or how their children behave in yours, you're literally totally an ego and you're screwed until you start to bring it back to yourself. And how is that making me feel? You know, what's going on for me? And bring it even with your child. What is my child teaching me? What what am I feeling? What is this about? Because when you start to begin to do some of the inner work, you realize it's never about anything but you. But then in that process, then you can totally give just without obligation. Because when you're, when you're in that, you're doing things out of obligation, which is fear-based, which means you don't want to do it, but you're trying to make someone else happy. But in the end, you're making yourself miserable. And this is very common for parenting because we're trying to please our children. We're trying to be loved by our, our children. We're trying to be liked and be the best parent. And that's not teaching them. That's preserving the pattern, the wound that we have inside of us. And when you can see those behaviors and see see what's really going on and let go and then start to do your own nurturing, your own reparenting, then you completely transform your your life and your child's trajectory because nobody really likes somebody who's needy. Children will run from neediness. That's why it's never going to be met by a child because it's it's an egoic agenda which will never be met. There's a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so true, isn't it? So if somebody asks you to do something, and I know this myself, I might have spent a lot of time coming up with an entire thing about it. And if, if anyone's listening and they're doing this, if they're sort of like, oh, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to create an entire massive reason or yeah, I'm going yeah. to do it, but I don't want to do it. You know, if you're doing all of that, just it's like breathe and what is it yeah. I actually want to do here and just yeah. making that happen because because yeah. we're so used to abandoning ourselves. We're so used to everybody else is more important. Yeah. It's really just coming back to that, isn't it? It's coming back to what do I need? What do I want? Yeah. Well, actually, it's not really that, that we think it's somebody else is more important, but it's actually about us. So we're actually trying to avoid the feelings from childhood as would have happened in childhood and it's just followed us along. So we're actually avoiding the feelings of whether if we say no to something, then we're going to miss out on something. Somebody might not like, there's a chance that someone might not like us or they might actually uh, confront us or they might say something really rude about us or they might tell someone else. So there's a whole lot of scenarios that could go on and we're scared of what the repercussions are for us. So when we can hold a no, we just stand in our power and just say no. No, thank you, but thank you for the offer. But if you, you don't want to be there and you're in resistance, you're going to get more resistance. So it's starting to notice these subtleties. We all have our patterns. We all have our paradigms. And, and it's so conditioned to be a good girl and for a boy, good boy, and conditioned to do the right thing. And when you can go, there is no right or wrong, there is no good or bad, I'm just doing my, I'm staying in my lane, and drop the good girl to your child and the good boy or bad boy and drop that. that The language is really keeping the conditioning in place. And we can drop that and just see our child. Jeez, they're really making a mess here. Whoa. You know, they're getting really upset, not 
bad or good or right or wrong or when you can see that you can really meet the moment you can meet yourself and sure you're going to have the ego that's going to go yeah yeah that was a really bad thing you did put the ego in the back seat okay feel the feelings that need to come up because there's always the feelings that are coming up because we we didn't feel them in childhood they're going to follow us until we feel them or they're going to create scenarios for us to feel them to feel the feeling you know whether it's powerlessness or or abandonment there's there's a pattern going on there's a creation going on and when we can just sit in some of those feelings that are really uncomfortable it's like we're chipping away at it we're chipping away and breaking down and then we don't need scenarios people places children to create experiences for us to feel those feelings we've already sat with them and felt them it's really just practice isn't it once once you kind of have an idea of what needs to happen which is a massive hurdle because Mm. unless you're actually looking for it you you might never find it but once you know the things to do it really is about practicing isn't it small steps yeah and and just taking it slowly and and until it becomes more like your natural reaction yeah well you can just start now and go okay, this moment, like what shows up? Oh, that's interesting. I notice where I go to try to fix something. I'm trying to fix my child and then notice it. There's no fixing required. And there might be an emotion. Yeah. I'm feeling like there's something going on with my child. And the more you can practice to bring it back to you, because when you're outside of yourself, you give your power away. And when you give your power away and your focus there, that's controlling you. So, take it back. What is this about me? What am I feeling in this moment? And that doesn't mean you don't have to take actions or you don't have to create boundaries with your child or in your business or in your partnership, but you keep bringing it back to you that they're playing a role. They're like, your, this is your movie. They're playing a role and it's all happening for you to bring up some stuff so you can move through it. Yeah. It's mm. a beautiful way to look at it. And um, we were talking before about how when you have parents who are like a disciplinarian type of parent Mm, mm. you are in a situation where you're you are scared to make a a mistake but you're also Mm. never allowed to make a decision right Mm. and that's what I think parents like that don't understand and you often hear of kids that get to a certain age and then they go off the rails it's often because they haven't been taught, they haven't given the space to make their own decisions, right? Because they're being told exactly what to do at every point. And all of a sudden they get to 18, they're allowed to do what they want. And their Mm. decision-making just isn't there. Yeah. Well, they haven't been able to be human. Like we're human and we forget things and we drop things and we break things, but a child does it and we yell or we punish especially boys like boys naturally touch everything like my son moves furniture like if it's not nailed down he's moving it and you know so we've got to be aware there's there's an inherent energy and we want it to be you know our way or we want it to be in control of everything and they have to do as we say and this is this is the problem because we are guiding them but we're not allowing them to mess up and fall apart and make mistakes. And how can you guide someone or even coach someone through through stuff if you're just telling them how it should be 
and shoulds are conditioned. So it's not truth. It's it's a condition of what you've probably learned, culture, childhood, wherever it might be. And so we're just telling them instead of giving them choice and empowering them, and that's that's probably the key point to empower your child, that your child's powerful. The moment they were conceived, they're powerful. And we take away their power because we we want to control it and we want to put it in a box and put a ribbon on it and make it look all beautiful. Whereas life is inherently messy and chaotic at times. And if we can be the guide alongside them, not the one above them telling them what they should or shouldn't be doing, then they're going to find their inner knowing and they're going to be able to follow their own intuition. They're going to make mistakes and they might go out and do something that, you know, causes some drama and, then we learn and they learn and they can learn to speak up to us, that they disagree with us. It's really important that they, they're not a mini you. You don't have to believe the things that you believe. I've spoken to a mum once and, you know, she she likes more natural things, but her daughter wants to get makeup and wants to, you know, she doesn't like all this stuff, so it rubs up against her. But we're making it mean it's bad. She just likes playing with makeup. And then you get the dynamic of resistance. The more she tries to resist it and tries to control it, the more the daughter's going to want to do it. So it's it's dancing with what's showing up, what's going on inside of me. There's a, a meaning I'm adding to it and, and a, a focus that I'm having. What we focus creates our experience. So if we're just focusing on our child doing the wrong things all the time, they're going to do more things that are bad or wrong. And we're just going to have more evidence to prove our theory. So it's really coming back to bring it back to you, bring it back to you. Okay, my child's doing this. How's that making me feel? What's going on inside of me? Your child does not need to be fixed, changed or improved. They're they're divine. When they were a baby, vomiting, you know, wet nappy, you know, we're like, oh, my God, they're like the most beautiful divine being. And then something happens. (laughs) They speak back to us. They swear at us. They say, you're the worst mom or dad. And then we're like, right, you know, because we want to control it. That How dare you say that to me? That doesn't mean you're going to like it. Sure that you're going to put boundaries around it. You know, if my kids do that, I'm like, I'm out of here. You're talking to me like that. I'm, I'm on the other room. And of course they follow me. And I'm like, mate, in the other room until you're ready to speak to me. Okay. I don't want to listen to that, you know, but I'm not sending him his room, taking away whatever, iPad, I, or whatever, punishing him for a month, you know, and that's that's the big downfall of punishment. It really disconnects parents from children and it's fear-based, control-based. So you want them to learn the lesson, they're not going to learn the lesson from punishment. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Absolutely. I loved all of that. And I love that you call a parent a guide that stands next to the child. That's exactly the way mm. parents should be. You know, we're not we're not better than we we're mm. just the guide because we've already done life and we should have mm. the ability to kind of pave this wonderful path for them and, and give mm. them our, our wisdom you know that's what we're there for not to to punish I know when we have our own children I think that's when that trauma really kind of rears its ugly mm-hmm. head is that what happened mm. with you is that when you started really recognizing what had happened yeah, well, definitely. When I had my children, like in any other relationship, you can just say, sorry, it's not working. We need to move on or it's ended or, you know, a friend, you don't have to see them again. You can say no. With your child, they're, they're not leaving. They're there 24-7 with you. And my stuff came up. My control, my desire to be in control came up and for a fear of being out of control, and my son showed me right from the get-go that you do that and you disconnect from you. And it was it was bringing up my stuff. And when we start to see our children as our guides and our teachers, then it, it, it's a very different space to parent from. You come to the moment with an energy of, wow, what, what is this teaching me? And when you can see the parenting journey as your own evolution and that this is this is guiding you as well it it is very different and yes the ego will bring you back and say it's their fault how dare my child do it it'll all start like that because our ego can be very noisy when you peel back the layers and get to the truth then you can really meet yourself and your child in a new energy in a new way but in the early days yeah my son powerful powerful being he is he was like nah I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do as you say. I'm going to wear what I want to wear. I'm going to wear swimmers to to kindy because I can, you know. And then it becomes a dance between pick your battles. Like, I was like right, you're off to, to kindy in swimwear today. Rashi, you know, okay. So it's a dance and it's a letting go. Of, most of the journey is really letting go, letting go of the masks because your kids see through the masks letting go of the, you know, your conditioning, the shoulds, because just because they say you should do this, your child shouldn't be co-sleeping, it should be in a cot, like doesn't matter. And I think you get to this place where kind of grace, where you're like, none of this matters. This doesn't matter. And where is all our attention and focus in the early years where they should be sleeping, shouldn't be sleeping? Am I getting sleep? Like there's so much going on with feeding and, and when we can kind of, drop it and just meet the moment and yeah okay my son is got the dummy till five like does it matter mm. you know there's there's such a, a kind of system system checklists to system that we need to be in as a parent so they say and if you want more freedom in your life and your parenting life you got, you got to get beyond the the system because that's what traps us into fear and control and the the, the new generation the they're here to break down the old paradigms. And that's why so many parents are going, 
at their knees. I don't know what to do anymore. My child's not listening. They're just at a point where they don't know what to do. And this Mm. is the moment of truth that you can get to where you have to let go of all the stuff. All the books telling you, you, you what you should or shouldn't be doing and you have to meet yourself and your child in what is my child because you intuitively know exactly what your child needs. There's no coincidence you've been brought together. It's a beautiful, magical tapestry that was created and your child is medicine for you just as much as you are for them. I love that. It's beautiful. and. Mm. Oh, it's so true, isn't it? It is very confronting being a parent. Until we have kids, it's almost like it's a mask, like everybody's wearing these beautiful parenting Mm -hmm. masks, everybody's doing well, you see everybody out and about and everyone's fine and it's not until you have your own kids and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, this is highly triggering and it's like your life blows apart Mm. and it really is about reparenting ourselves can you explain what reparenting means Mm. yeah so we have an ego and an inner child so it's created in childhood so don't worry your child will have an ego and they will have an inner child and they will have a wound it's just the setup so basically if you look at it like an egg the um inner child's like the the yolk and the ego's the shell the white part around the egg and the ego is our protective shell our protective mechanism so anytime you're blaming someone if you're trying to beat yourself down or build yourself up or somebody else or you're running away from something or the the ego there's many guises of the ego and uh the ego comes in to protect us and it's protecting our our inner child and our inner child was created um in childhood and there were certain unmet needs. So basically we all desire to be seen and heard and understood. And one day your parents weren't there and no one was around and the the inner child's formed and the ego's formed. Whatever happens, it could happen at school. We don't know. I don't think we, we don't need to know. It's just how it's, how it is. But what you can know is that when the little girl or little boy rattles the cage, your ego will kick in and you're starting to fight back or especially with your child you're like how dare they say that to me well you're you're in ego now when you look at it a little deeper there's there's an unmet need of your inner child so maybe it doesn't feel seen or heard by your child now the reparenting work is to realize that nobody else can meet your need sure it's great if you've got a great partner or a child that does things that helps you out or meets certain needs yes that's great that's that's like the the icing on top but the real deeper needs no one can meet them you can't buy more stuff to meet a need you can't get the best house the best car the best partner anything on the outside can never meet your inside need so when we have these needs even if we say no to something we talked about like you know you're saying no it's a real no for you that you don't want to go to the party then there might be a feeling inside and your little girl might be feeling abandoned, like left out, like I'm going to miss out or I'm going to. So this is the work of reparenting, but you sit with the feelings. You sit with your little girl. I mean, you could do a meditation on it. I've done many things where you talk to your little girl, see what she's needing, and you can do all this work on your own or with a coach or with a therapist. I'm sure they also do this kind of work. And you meet that need. And and most of the time, it's just being with, with yourself. It's sitting in the feelings. There's nothing you need to do. There's nothing you need to fix. There's nothing you need to change. 
it's like when we've scratched a wound and it's just allowing it to heal again. It's just like coming back to yourself and you will feel different and then you will show up differently. So most parents, we're often parenting out of ego, parenting out of reactivity or control or fear. And deep inside our inner child is just craving to be seen and heard and understood by us, by us. And when we can meet that and really sit with ourselves and not turn Netflix on and not drink wine and distract ourselves because busyness is the guise of the ego. Busyness will keep you away from yourself. So if you have so many to-do lists and so much going on and no time and can't exercise and can't look after you, that's just the ego protecting you, even though it's it's taking you away from yourself. So yeah, it's it's the sitting with process, it's being with it's, it's spaciousness, it's it's allowing you to sit with you. And you might feel a presence of something, you know, often I get visuals of like a little girl inside of me and she's having a tantrum when my child's having a tantrum, you know, she's pissed off. How dare he speak to me like that? Or how dare she do that? And then it's, okay, we can't necessarily go to it straight away, but go back to it and go, yeah, it was really, there was something going on for me, really. Let's sit with it, deal with your child and then go back and sit with it. And it's like mending mending the 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 wound in a way just mending it slowly just coming back and it becomes a practice and you'll begin to know when you're an ego and when you're not when you're really true or when you're doing something out of ego which means you're trying to fix something change something improve something or build something up or beat someone down so Mm. yeah yeah it's it's a lot for people isn't it because when we were parented so unconsciously mm. and we have these little triggering humans in our life, we're trying to be the best parents we can. It's so much going on, isn't there? It's yeah. it's quite overwhelming and, yeah, it's it's a lot for people to kind of get their heads around when they're mm. so busy to yeah. um, to actually figure out how to move forward. Yeah, well, that's why we either come to the work with a crisis or a big behaviour generally. There's something that we, we need help with. You know, there are some people that come, I have some clients that have young kids and they've come to the work and it's like, well, congratulations because the gift you give to your child and yourself when your children are young is incredible. So, yeah, it's a lot, but then you can break it down. You can do one moment, one step, one one thing, one focus at a time. Because also the ego wants is overwhelmed. When you're overwhelmed, stressed, too much, the ego doesn't want you to do the work. It doesn't want you to, to be better. It doesn't want you to have an incredible relationship with your children. It just knows what it knows to keep you safe. So it doesn't want to do what's in your highest good. So you are going to meet with resistance. You are going to meet with all the thoughts they tell you, no, you, you don't have enough money, you can't do this, like that's that's the setup. And then, you know, it's it's annoying. It's like when you, you're fearful of doing something and you do it anyway. You do it, you feel the fear and you're like, I know I've got to do it or I've got to get up and speak, you, you know, do a speech at a wedding and I'm really scared, but you do it because you want to do it and you want to share in the moment. 
So it, you have to get to that space and no one can be forced to get there. You can't force your partner to get there if you're doing the work and they're not. You only really need one person to do the work in the house. But yeah, it's it can be broken down. It can be broken down into becoming more aware. That's the first step. Starting to notice, what are you thinking about all the time? What kind of feelings am I having? What actions do I take? Do I stay really small? Do I yell at my children all the time? And I and then I hate myself for being that kind of parent. What is going on? And you don't have to go back to childhood to see what's going on. It'll be happening at right now. The patterns will be playing out. And then you can work on one thing at a time. Yeah. And when you decide to do that, work when you go down that path you are creating a brand new future for your kids aren't you Mm -hmm. oh absolutely yeah absolutely they'll tell you they'll be like they'll have a contrast they'll have mom the yelly mom the one that's always telling me what to do and then the mom that is listening is present is available is dropping things because that's the moment 10 minutes with their child is more precious than something else you know they're choosing it because there's only two two areas you can really be in it's either ego an egoic agenda or creating being the creator the genius creating magic there's two spaces if you live here in the your ego you're never going to get anywhere you're never going to be enough you're never going to be perfect enough you're never going to be lovable enough your kids aren't going to love you enough it's going to be never getting there. So that's just, if you want to go around that merry-go-round or that, that hamster wheel, you'll just stay in the same place and you go, geez, 10 years have passed and I'm still the same spot. You can leave that. You can jump into the driver's seat, getting into creating, getting into what you love and what you want to do and how you want to feel as a parent. How do you want to feel with your children? How do you want them to remember you as a parent? How do you want to look back at their childhood? You can get in there, but that means becoming aware of all the other stuff and not choosing it and choosing the other way Mm. and not fixing. There's no fixing involved. Yeah. And how would you describe your relationship with your kids? How different is it to maybe how it started? Yeah, well, my kids, you know, we still have yelling. Not from me. (laughs) I mean, maybe 1% if they're running on the road or doing something crazy. We still have yelling. They still get upset with me, but how I deal with it is very different. So the energy I come to them is very different. They're going to still have their reactions. They've got an ego. There's no perfect and there's no perfect parenting, but I shifted and then they shift in, in magical ways as well. They're, they speak up to me. They're loving. They're aware. They'll tell me when I'm out of alignment. <laughs> they'll tell me, they'll pick up my stuff, which is great. Cause once you start getting into it, your children will be a great barometer for you. You'll know, they'll go, mom, you're doing this or, uh, you know, whatever. And they're able to express themselves. They're able to feel their feelings and I can hold space for them now. I, early days, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hold space for my own feelings, let alone theirs. And yeah, I mean, my kids are wild. Mine are like strong-willed children, and it's very common right now. Strong-willed, not going to go with the status quo. Sorry, that's it. And to shift that and see, wow, they're so powerful, and that's not to mean that they're running all over the place and doing crazy things. You have the boundaries. You have the safety nets. 
to allow them to be in their truth and to be in their power is is so important in this day and age so they can navigate their own own path you know i'm always in awe when i'm attached to something like oh i'm going to miss that and they're like don't care at all they're like let's leave let's do this let's and i'm like oh i watch my attachments and they're just so not attached to anything so yeah it it's a very different space to parent from you have more freedom and yes stuff is going to come up it's life it's it's up and downs but you can navigate it in a more you're not going to feel the high highs or the low lows as much you're a bit more stable and Mm. you instead of joining the highs or the lows you're observing it a bit more you're like wow that's amazing because once you go up like this you're going to come down you know crash so you 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 dance with it and it does become a dance. And I'm also on a mission to my son's 13 next year to totally transform teenagehood. The amount of people that say, oh, no, nearly a teenager. What's that about? Yeah. So many of the culture of teenagers. <laughs> yes. Thank you for saying that because I've said that ever since I was a teenager myself because yeah. I noticed as soon as I turned into a teen, my dad would say, oh, you're a teenager now, so you're going to do drugs, you're going to, you know, and I'd just be like, what are you even talking about? Like, I don't even know. Like, I didn't know anything about drugs. I was just like a little kid at school. And I was like, this is so ridiculously unfair. It was just like this label smacked across your forehead. Mm -hmm, You are now mm -hmm. a teenager. And I just, I've heard it through my entire life and it's Mm -hmm. still entrenched. Like, teenagers are bad they're all going to do the wrong things. You know, there's so many beliefs. And I just refuse to do that with my kids. I've never said to my kids, you're a teenager. So I've never said it to them. And that was mm, one thing mm. I promised myself I would never do because <laughs> it's actually an incredible time of their life where they're yeah. not not just like a moldable kind of little child anymore. They, they do have their own personality. They have their yeah. own beliefs and it it's kind of cool to watch that develop when you see mm, mm. oh wow that's thinking totally different to the way I think it's really mm, about mm. then it's about just kind of guiding them really guiding them along on their path so they don't kind of fall off or whatever um, yeah 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 I think it's a, a really exciting time yeah and I think the whole like paradigm of teenager needs to be shifted because oh, it coincides kind of, I can see where it probably has come from. It coincides a little bit with where they're becoming more independent and they're wanting to seek and hang out with their friends more. So as parents, we can feel a rejection. We can feel like there's that that shift, which is a beautiful opening to do the work as well because, you know, even when your children leave home, there's another stage of, of feeling everything's changed and everything is always changing. But I think with teenagers wow, their brains are growing. So much is going on beneath the surface that the language we use is really critical. And as I said before, the good and the bad and that, there is language that is associated with how we think and feel and then act. So if we can drop a bit of that and and get curious about teenhood and like, sure, there's going to be experiences, but there's experiences all the way along. And they're all unique. Mm. We like to box things. So we want to put it in a box, you know. This is the three-nager or this is the terrible twos. And the implications of that are big because 
then we're like, oh my God, my child's going to become a teenager. And instead of going, wow, this is such a coming of age. This is a beautiful rite of passage. This is a blossoming time. How can I support my child to blossom in these, in these years? I love that. And it really is everything you spoke about there. It's really, it really is about building trust within that relationship, Mm. isn't it? You can't build trust Mm. when you're angry and you're being told what to do by a parent when you start out with that trust when they're younger and then they they just know that you're there and they understand when you do put a boundary around something that you're doing it for the right reasons Mm. it's not because you're trying to ruin their life which is kind of what they think Uh, (laughs) naturally you know yeah and that's their ego it kicks in and you know they're going to react so know that that's not really the truth that's just the ego and we jump into it quite often as well but yeah I think it can be really what you create how you're going to show up is is really important and they 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 just want to be you know I also look like what did you want as a teenager what did you want as a child like you wanted to be heard you wanted to be understood and You didn't want to just be sent to your room or told what to do all the time. So really handing it over to them and going, and I learned this early with my son, like, cause he, he didn't like the word no. It's like, oh, do you think we could really do it? How would you do it? You know? And then whether he'd come to the answer of, oh, we could do it like this or, oh, no, mom, we can't do it. I don't (laughs) think we can do that. Not today. And I'd let him figure it out. Because you, there are many children that are a bit more rigid and a bit more sensitive, and so you you need to know your child and what works for them, and that's why you know, just reading a book and performing it on your child is not necessarily going to work. Because I, I learned that as well with my children, because when they're upset, they need space. They don't need me going. Oh, I can see you're really upset right now. They hate that <laughs> me talking. <laughs> All I usually say is I'm here at the door if you need me or yeah. I'm here and and you need to know what works for your child. And as I said, your children know when you're being in your truth or when you're just parroting off something that you think you should be doing. Yeah. Like a, some kind of, you know, I've got to get it right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So whilst you are a parenting coach you're actually working with everyone not just parents to help people to gain insight and awareness into what's happening in their lives from their past trauma can you tell us everything we need to know about how you can help sure so yeah you don't have to be a parent you just have to have had a parent that's pretty much the premise (laughs) so the work I do is awareness work it's also self-sovereign work you're becoming aware of yourself I do a bit of embodiment work as well because often we, if we shove things down, we really disconnected from our bodies and our feelings and it's hard. Someone will say, feel, can you feel that? And you're not feeling anything or you, you find it hard to feel into your heart or. So I look at your belief systems. I get a broad history of, you know, how you were as a child, what kind of patterns were showing up. We look right now because generally that will, take us into childhood and then we look at what you want to create what what is it that you want what did you come here for what what do you want to do be have and get you into some really good choices of of what you're going to choose each day and then 
things show up. I'm generally intuitively guided to where a client needs to go and it's it's all perfection because they will lead me and I'm it's just a guide guiding coming along for the journey and you know maybe I'll we'll poke around in a little little spot and I'll ask some questions and that will dive deeper and then they'll drop in a bit further and understand themselves or understand their child and understand why they're doing what they're doing now with their child because of something that happened so there's magic there all the answers in the field they're all available I just support clients to tap in and to find their their way and their power and become more empowered and focus on themselves and not not giving their power away and also in the process freeing themselves and freeing their child allowing their child to be in their childhood because it's so stressful in the world there's so much going on and it's a gift to allow a child to be in their childhood and have a childhood. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That all sounds amazing. Where can we find you? So I've got a website, ninacruzconsciouscoaching.com. I do free 30-minute discovery calls. So if you want to get a feel for, for me and, and what we could do together. And then I'm on Instagram at Nina Cruz Coach, Facebook, Nina Cruz Conscious Coaching. And on my website, there's a few free things. There's a 12 days of presence program you can download to get get you presence because you need presence, firstly, for awareness and presence. When we show up with our child in presence, we're, we're in the moment with them. We're not thinking about the past. We're not in the future of what our child might be or where we, you know, our desires. We're just in the moment. And that's a really great practice because our ch- children are calling us to be in the moment with them, mm. not distracted like, mom, do you see me? Mom, I'm here. Mom, you're listening. Do you understand me? Do you get me? Not how you think it should be. Just do you hear me? Here he is with your heart. Mm, I love that so much. Do you hear me with your heart? It's so lovely. Mm. I love mm. that. Nina, as I said at the start of this chat, this is the most important work on the planet. There is nothing else that can heal the human race, I believe, Mm. than breaking the generational cycles. Thank you for all the work you're doing in this area to create conscious lives and conscious parents. And it's a truly beautiful mission. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Dawn. I'm really glad to have been here and appreciate the space that you've created for such a deep conversation. for being on this journey of healing and community with me if you listen on apple i would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast it would mean a lot check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode if you're on instagram follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.